The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. How is it possible that at the moment of ultimate betrayal, when the man you love is trying to murder you, that you could experience the most profound mystical experience of a lifetime? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest on the show is Anna Christina, not her real name, who experienced a terrifying near-death and at the same time a sublime spiritual encounter with Jesus. I have to say that her book, My Sweet Encounter with Death, is one of the most important books I've read on marital abuse and God's relationship of love to our free will and our suffering for our free will in this life. In order for her to tell the, the heart of her story, I'm going to summarize just some of the abuse she suffered at the hands of her two husbands and the religious cultural presumptions that empowers the male cruelty to women and especially wives. As a teenager, Anna, a Coptic Christian from a strict but loving family, fell in love with a Muslim man. Her father rejected the notion of such an interfaith marriage, and eventually she met and married a man of her own faith but one who proved to be bizarrely cruel and manipulative. Many years and two children later, she was divorced and re-encountered her teenage love. But what should have been a storybook ending, however, proved to be another abusive nightmare with a marriage, divorce, and a remarriage ending in the attempted murder of the author by the love of her life. So here to tell you some of the details of this human tragedy, coupled with the sublime, simultaneous near-death experience of Jesus' love, is Anna Christina. Anna, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you, Lee. I'm honored to be here. It's wonderful to have you, and it's an amazing book that you've written. Uh, it, it, uh, I, I, it's just a short book. It's easy to read, but it tells so much about uh, how uh, wives can suffer at the hands of their husbands. Uh, Anna, perhaps um, you could sketch out for us some of the things that... Uh, led you to remarry your, your Muslim husband, whom you call Sam in your book, and then what happened when his jealous, abusive behavior nearly brought you to the point of being murdered by him? Lee, I remarried him when I fell back into a deep depression, and he showed up again in my life, and I, you know, as a lot of us do, we forget the bad things, and we believe the promises, and, you know, we accept back somebody who already you've seen signs of abuse or something that's really uh, big signs. Um, but I was addicted to this man, addicted somehow uh, to his love all my life since I was a teenager. We remarried, and then again, um, I was the breadwinner, so as a CFO, and at one point, after about nine years, I could no longer support him, his ex-wife, his two children going through medical school, and I just couldn't do it anymore, and my kids wanted to come back and live with me. So we decided I asked for a divorce, and he agreed. So we went and filed for a peaceful divorce. Mm -hmm. um, in the court, he asked me if he can stay three, day, three weeks in the house until he finds another place to go to. And I accepted, of course. Um, and 
this is when it all started. It took about a day or two, and all the aches in my body started, and I thought I was fighting the flu. And my head started to explode. That was the biggest discomfort ever. Uh, My head, the pain in it was so much I couldn't move. I couldn't even blink my eye without excruciating pain to my head. I couldn't move from the couch for a few days until Sam decided to give me his blood pressure medicine, which I've never taken any blood pressure medicine before, and that helped with the pressure in my head, apparently, and I was able to control the pain and was able to go back to work. So on a January 9th, as I was driving, this was a few years ago, driving to work, I got a vision, and... In that vision, now, mind you, Lee, I've never had visions in my life. I I didn't even know what they were, but I saw death in my family. I thought somebody was dying, somebody was falling off a cliff or something, and I assumed it was like in my near family, brothers and sisters, and I assumed it was my young brother, Steve, who's who's dying, and I thought, well, the Lord is just, warning me, so I need to go. He was in Egypt at this time. I need to go and see him. So I booked a ticket. Uh, When I went into the office, I told my superior that I'm going to be leaving in a day or two. I had to go and be with him. I was working hard that day, trying to finish all the work and delegation that I had, thinking I'm going to be there till midnight until I catch my flight. And then I felt like, I don't know what it was, but like a power telling me, stop everything, leave everything on your desk, just go home, stop thinking. What I remember was stop thinking today. Mm. And I found myself leaving everything and just driving home. I told my staff, you know what, I'll probably be here tomorrow, we'll work on this, and then I'll fly the second day. And I drove home. As I'm walking to my home, after I parked and I'm walking up the stairs, I hear this voice starting talking to me, just like I'm talking to you now, very clear in my head, and immediately was revealed to me, it was the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Now, again, mind you, I never really related to the Holy Spirit in my life before. Yes, I am a Christian, but I always related to Jesus, the Son, because of the movies we see, the God, the Father, the power in heaven, but I never really understood what the Holy Spirit was, so I ignored it. And he revealed himself that he was the Holy Spirit, but he asked me not to speak, not to say a thing. I was not to share or tell a soul what was happening right now. I continued walking up the stairs. Sam opens the door, asks me if I'm going to leave tomorrow or the day after, and I tell him, I can't think today, I'll let you know tomorrow. And he goes, okay, go get ready, I have dinner prepared for you. He always prepared dinner, he took care of the household. Colleen came out, said hi, she was with us at that time, uh, staying with us, my daughter, and she went back to her room, and I went, and I got changed. And I walked back to the kitchen, and Sam had prepared a meal for me. It was rice and green bean casserole. I didn't feel like eating the green beans. 
I didn't have an appetite. I hadn't had an appetite for a while. So I just decided to put back the beans and just leave the rice. And Sam said, fine. And as I'm standing there, and again, like my back is to the fridge, and I hear the comforter telling me, open the fridge and put plain yogurt on your rice. Now, it's like tzatziki, and that was my favorite thing to eat with rice. And I'm going, like, in my mind to him, like, excuse me, like, you care about me opening a fridge and putting yogurt on my rice? You know, like, are you (laughs) kidding? And he responds and says, child, I'm in every little detail of your life. And I was in awe just realizing this. At, I didn't know what was happening to me, but to realize this at a late stage in my life, I was about 49 at the time, and I felt I missed out on that being within every little detail of my life. It was like, what a shame. I, I was, And I couldn't say anything. I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't tell anybody about it. So I put my yogurt, and I walked to the couch. I sat down, and he's conversing with me like I am talking with you right now. And Mm. he had the most beautiful sense of humor ever. It was like, he was cracking jokes. I couldn't believe it. Like he was talking and I'm responding and I'm giggling from his sense of humor to the point that Sam just looked at me and goes, did you have a glass of wine today? Did you stop and drink somewhere? I just Mm. looked at him. He assumed I was drunk or something. But I didn't want to respond or just break that connection with the Holy Spirit. And then um, the comforter told me, okay, just go to sleep right now. So I finished my food. Like, after I finished, I said goodnight, walked to my room, and brushed my teeth, and just in peace with the comforter. And I lay down on bed, and just taking it all in, not understanding what's happening, just taking it all in. And then he starts again by saying, child, It's not your brother. It's you. At that point, Lee, I I was just never prepared to hear that. It's me. I I understood something heavy was going to happen. And all I can think of is my daughter is going to wake up in the morning and she's going to find her mother dead in bed. That just broke my heart. I, I couldn't take it. It was just so overwhelming sadness, my heart was crushed with that feeling of, I'm not going to be there for my daughter and son anymore. And right away, he said, child, you're going to go on a journey, and you'll be back, and you'll be my ambassador. And it was such a relief to hear that. It was such a relief. You're just not prepared to hear it's the end. I don't think anybody is prepared to hear that. That's it. You're not waking up. So it was like, ah, I sigh of relief. And and I said to him, well, okay, tell me, what do I need to do? And he said, just relax, child. Just relax. I said, okay, I'm relaxed. He said, stop thinking. I need you to stop thinking. Now, that was another hard thing to do, to stop thinking. I just yes. didn't do it. I kept on thinking. Am I thinking? Am I? Did I stop thinking? I just, and he, like, I felt he wanted to tell me, shut up and just stop thinking. 
And I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm there. He goes, okay, I need you to shut your eyes, and no matter what happens, do not open them. I said, okay, and I shut my eyes. And he kept reminding me, do not open them, no matter what happens. And I said, okay. And suddenly, a light is turned down on in the room, like as if somebody flicked on the light. But my eyes are shut, but you can feel the brightness in the room. But it was such a big, like, human brightness I've never seen. And I felt the presence of the Lord, the Father, God, a power. It was like a huge presence of a, a bigger being, a power that I've, it was just, but I wouldn't dare open my eyes. And I, and I kept it shut. And then the windows started rattling. I had windows to my right, and it was like as if an earthquake in my room. And then my heart started beating. It started like palpitation, but it get, got stronger. And at that point, I got terrified. And as I got terrified, the whole process stopped. Everything stopped. The, my heart stopped beating, the windows stopped shattering, and the light just got turned off. And I'm going, oh, shoot, I, I screwed up my death. And he goes, <laughs> no, child, this one you can't screw up. I just need you to relax more. And I'm going, okay, okay. He goes, just shut your eyes, keep them shut, but you need to relax, child. So he took me through the process again, and I relaxed again. And it was like meditation. And then I shut my eyes, and the light came again. And then the windows started shattering, and then my heart started beating again. But this time, I wasn't terrified. I knew what was happening, and I didn't want to stop the process. And it just kept, my heart kept on beating to the point, Lee, I felt it was going to open up. My chest was going to open up, and my heart is going to explode. That's how hard it was beating. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm just going to die. That's how it is. But I was so relaxed in the process. And then it all stopped. And I said, okay, that wasn't bad. And then he said, the next process, child, is an annoyance. Only an annoyance. Just remember that. And I said, okay. And then I started feeling pain. Pain that was in my legs, in my bones. And it felt like somebody brought a sledgehammer and was breaking my bones down. And it was like the pain was so excruciating. But he kept saying, it's an annoyance, John. It's an annoyance. And I kept concentrating on him, what he was saying. It's an annoyance. And somehow I was able to endure that pain. That, and I didn't scream. I didn't yell. My door was open. My daughter is next door. My Sam was in the room watching TV in the living room, and I didn't yell or scream, and I just kept on enduring it as he coached me and kept saying, it's an annoyance, John. It's an annoyance. And I just stayed there taking it in, and then it all stopped, and the pain was gone, and that felt awesome. It was like, ah, it's over. But as the pain stopped and I couldn't feel it anymore, I couldn't feel a thing. 
nothing. I couldn't feel a thing from my head to my toes. And I just laid there and I said, am I paralyzed? And he responded and he said, yes, child. And I groaned. I said, no. He said, yes. And I said, well, can, can I even move, can I move my toes, please? He goes, no, child. Can I try? I said, go try, child. I tried and nothing. I couldn't move a thing. I was just there paralyzed. And as I'm realizing this, Sam walked in the door. And I'm going in my mind, okay, Sam is going to notice. He's going to call 911. He's going to rush me to the hospital. And But he didn't. He just went to bed and uh, on his side just ignored me because uh, didn't know what was going on through his head, and I just laid there. And as the night progressed, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, did not leave me for one second. It did not matter, Lee, that I was paralyzed. His comfort, like he's truly a comforter, his comfort was so amazing. He just, we spent the night together. He went through so many things all night. He gave me visions. It was just the most beautiful night ever. He answered all the questions I had without me asking them anymore. All the questions I had in life, like why do bad things happen? Why are children starving? All these things, he answered them without me even asking. And what he said made sense somehow, the way he said it, and I accepted it. But interesting enough, that these answers were erased. That's the, the only thing that was erased through this whole event were the answers to the questions that we all have. And I spent the night, and as the night progressed, I felt like I needed to go to the bathroom. And I forgot that I was paralyzed, and I realized, and I'm going, I need to go. And he goes, go, child. And I go, okay. And I ended up uh, wetting myself in the bed, and it was like a, a, a fluid, like so much, as if my whole body was extracting so much water, I felt I was going to drown. And as the night progressed, and I didn't want it to end, by daybreak, I could feel daybreak. I didn't sleep a wink, of course. And as daybreak came, I heard Sam get up. And I said, okay, now he's going to notice that I'm paralyzed and he's going to call 911. He turned around and he shook me and I wasn't responding. And he said, Anna, Anna, and I'm not responding. And he turns me towards him and I'm not responding. He opens a lid in my eyes, and I could see him at this point, and he opens the other lid, and again, it shuts back down when he lets go. He stretches out my arm, and then my arm falls back on the bed as he lets go. I'm just a piece of meat, like just nothing there, no response whatsoever. So I'm thinking, okay, now he got it. He's going to call 911. He comes around the bed, and he starts taking off my jewelry. And I'm going, what the heck? What is this guy doing? Why is he taking off my jewelry? That's not the time. And then he proceeds to 
putting a pill in my mouth, and I don't take pills in the morning. And But because I'm paralyzed, my teeth are clenched, and he forces the pills through my mouth, through my teeth, and he just kind of like grinds it in there, and it felt like it was a Xanax pill. And I'm thinking, what is? He, why is he giving me a Xanax in the morning? And then he puts a mint in my mouth, and this the mint, of course, he couldn't get it through my teeth. He just left it in my cheek. And I'm going, oh, my Lord, I must think for him to be putting mint in my mouth before he's going to call 911. And then he comes to the bed, and he goes, you're wet. We need to get you out of these clothes. I go, I'm thinking, this guy is so sweet. He's going to take my clothes off and get me clean and ready for 911. And he takes off my clothes. And to my surprise, he's on top of me, raping me. And I'm just in shock at this point. I didn't realize what was going on. I'm thinking, what's, like, this man has never touched me before when we were not clean and, you know, out of showers, fresh and everything. And here he's raping this woman who stinks and is not responding. Then he goes, he's done, and he jumps in the shower, leaves me on there naked on the bed, and he comes back after his shower, and at this point, I'm feeling the water is still running, but now it's like a bathtub. He's preparing a bathtub for me. And he comes, and he's lifting me off the bed. And as he lifts me off, I fall from his hands. He couldn't carry me. This was the first time, Lee, I appreciated the fact that I was heavy. It was like, thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And he drops me on the floor. And he's like, he doesn't know what to do with me. He feels like, come on, get up, get up. Like, And I'm going, are you stupid? Like, call 911. Can't you see? I can't get up. And he just drops me and leaves me. And I could feel he didn't know what to do with me. He leaves the room. And I'm just left naked on the floor there, all crumbled up on my side. And he, I heard uh, Colleen get up in her room. So he, he went to talk to her. I found out later he told her that mom doesn't want to be disturbed. Uh, she took a few Xanaxes, and she's sad about her brother Steve in Egypt, so please don't disturb her, because it was a Saturday. So that made Colleen not come and check on me. Mm. He comes back, <coughs> and I'm, like, laying there, and I'm going, okay, is he going to call 911? What's happening to this man? And then I feel this ice water on my whole body. It was Oh, I can't describe the feeling. My body went in shock as he's pouring ice water on my body. And I'm just trembling in shock and excruciating discomfort. And uh, and the comforter is just there telling me, annoyance, child. It's an annoyance. And then I see a vision of Jesus' hand. Didn't see Jesus, just his hand, as they were piercing the nail in his hand, crucifying him. And as I saw that vision, somehow I was able to endure my own discomfort and pain, seeing the torture he was going through. And as I saw that, I was able to endure. And it just, I kept enduring, and then it stopped. 
and it was I was so relieved. And I could hear him leave the room. He comes back, and he starts the process again. And he's pouring ice water all over my body, and it was a lot of water. And I'm going, Lord, please let this pass. And he, the comforter is saying, it's an annoyance child. And his coaching soft voice is helping me endure. And again, I see the vision of the of the hand being crucified of Jesus, and I'm enduring, and I'm not worried about this pain. And I look at, at his hands, Jesus' hands, and I'm like, okay, okay, I can do this. And then it stops. And again he leaves the room. And I'm just left there wondering again, why isn't he calling 911? And he comes back in the room, and this time he steps over my body, and he bends down, and he shuts my nose with his fingers. And he's holding my nose shut, and I couldn't breathe. Yes. We've got a technical glitch here in the middle of the story. This uh, story, My Sweet Encounter with Death, that Anna has written, is just a remarkable book. And every... Uh, Shelter for Abused Women should have a copy for people to read because it's, it, it is amazing what she went through. She hasn't even mentioned her first husband and what he did. Okay, very good. Hi, sorry for that interruption. We lost you there for a minute. So why don't you pick up? We have a couple of minutes left. I guess you guys are going to have to get the book to find out what happened. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was going to tell people. Well, maybe we yeah. should summarize it and say that after after he, he did try to hold your nose shut and then exactly. he tried to hold your nose and mouth shut. Exactly. Right? And that's what it, it was. Cl- yeah. Clearly, he was trying to kill you. Right. And, and, and I suppose his, his, was his plan to get you into the bathtub and drown you? Was Do you think exactly. that was his intention? Yeah, I remembered, Lee, I forgot to say, I had a million-dollar life insurance that he was the beneficiary of half the million, and I hadn't canceled that. So that's what I remembered at this time, and that's what and he, what he And he did. knew that if you divorced him, that would that would change, and so uh, this was a, a motivation as well. Exactly, um, exactly. Later on, you discover that it was a, a heavy metal poisoning, don't you? It's, yes, I do. We got hair analysis. And uh, we found out he was poisoning me. He was putting it in my coffee. And then that night, he put it in my rice because he wanted to finish me up that night before I go to Egypt. And mm. that was the intention. And um, he he succeeded. And, you know, but I came back. <laughs> I wasn't paralyzed anymore. And you should have seen the look on his face. <laughs> It was intense. It was intense. And it's sad that I didn't get a chance to talk about the what I saw in heaven and what happened, but I guess your listeners can get the book and read about it. Um, well, we, and then they we, may have, we may have you come back, uh, Anna, and, and talk about this some more, because I'd, I'd like to get into some of the ramifications for um, uh, the abuse of women. You know, this is a story that is not... It's your personal story, but it's a story that, gosh, spans uh, all all different um, re- religious beliefs and cultures. Because uh, there's this this enormous um, 
abuse of women by their husbands uh, throughout the world. Um, yeah. I did want to say um, there are some amazing little stories in here about uh, you're a child playing games with Jesus. It's almost like he was <laughs> trying to distract you from the agony that you were going through. Exactly. Well, he had a whole night to spend with me, so he had to give me visions. <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing visions. Like, I never yes. saw that, but it was, it was like going, just even in heaven, you know, having to see my mom and dad and sister who had committed suicide, and she was in heaven. Oh, that's you know, great! Just overwhelming joy. It was amazing. So even Anna, regardless, what, mm-hmm, go ahead. We, we, I'm just going to say, let's save that for the next time. Um, I can't do okay. it next week, but perhaps the week after that, we could talk again. And um, I just want to tell people that they should, in the meantime, go out, uh, get on Amazon. I guess would be the best way, and, and get a copy yeah. of My Sweet Encounter with Death by Anna Christina. And um, give them, tell them your website as well. It's the same, mysweetencounterwithdeath.com, and then they can contact me through there and send me emails, give me feedback, ask me questions. Uh, I would love to hear from your listeners and your readers. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right, Anna. Well, I, as I said a little earlier, I think every shelter for abused women should have a copy of My Sweet Encounter with Death on their bookshelves. I want to thank our guest, Anna Christina, for describing her amazing, horrifying NDE and how it affected her life. Uh, if you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANS, check out their website, iands.org. Tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.